Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Swim podcast. Oh, hello. Welcome to episode 28 of Someone Who Isn't Me. My guest on Swim This Time is Dennis Lixon of Refused and Invasion and AC4 and the International Noise Conspiracy. And also, as you'll hear a little bit later on in this conversation, uh, a new band called Fake Names, who are wicked. We recorded this episode when we were both hanging out in LA in January at the base camp house and the night before this conversation was recorded we were at the chris cornell tribute concert at the forum shout out andy for swinging some tickets and also to zane for getting some passes thanks so that night was an incredible one and also slightly surreal um and it saw bands like metallica foo fighters and melvin's play with soundgarden audio slave and temple of the dog who all performed with like a host of guest vocalists from Perry Farrell through to Miley Cyrus. And it was incredible. It was also really weird at times, but um, it showed what an incredible songwriter Chris Cornell was and also how much, how he was respected so much in this world. So, yeah. As we were both sort of processing the whole event the next day, it seemed like that was a good place to start. So that's where we went in straight away. This is episode 28 someone who isn't me with Dennis Lixon do you want to do you want to do a quick uh, post game review of last night's entertainment for a start might be might be an interesting way of yeah. beginning things it was uh, I mean it was interesting it felt very self-indulgent in a yeah. very LA like in the weird way where it's like um, you know all of a sudden Brad Pitt's on stage and you know Josh Brolin's on stage and, yeah but uh, it was quite but do you think do you think that might just be the case of that's just that that is this world i guess it is yeah. uh, it's uh, i mean when you're from you know north of sweden it's very it's a bit of a strange world yeah and, i mean there's something to be said about like in in america especially like when you become famous you just reach a stratosphere where you just hang out with famous people yeah and it's it's a very strange yeah, you, when you look at that, you're like, oh, so now you're friends because you're famous. And Yeah, but do you think it's that or do you think it's like a clique in that sense or do you think it's that um, they probably attend similar events, become I mean, that, friends and also have a have an empathy towards each other because they probably, because you know what it's like. You go to, you go and play festivals and stuff and, and, and people will just be like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can't, I mean, you know, it, I guess it's they can relate to each other and the fact that everybody knows who they are when they walk in the room every single person is like oh there's that person yeah and so I guess so but it, it it is it is a bit weird when it's like when you see it from the outside and you're like people collaborate on stuff you're like but that's not a that wouldn't have happened if you weren't famous people yeah so but I kind of enjoy just from the outside no but from from the outside perspective i kind of enjoy that uh, to peek in in that world and be like yeah, oh yeah too. this is because you know it's always fun you go back and you're like yeah i saw i saw adam sandler last night yeah you know and all my friends are like what? peter dinklage and, yeah, exactly yeah. you're like oh that's so crazy so i kind of enjoy those uh you know but it's like music no in the sense that i mean we'll get onto it later but but with fake names yeah yeah. How many years ago, right? <laughs> Twenty years ago, would you have said, 
I'm going to be in a band with these guys. No. There you go. I mean, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's like, I mean, I guess that's the thing. But it, it in that sense, I mean, we, we play similar music. Yeah. There's a lineage to what they did and what I've been doing. And there's like a certain sense that maybe that's the way it is. Like you move in circles and then all of a sudden you're really close to each other. Yeah. But when you were 15 and those people were like, 20 plus and they were you know from a different continent you you seem very far removed and you're like oh that's not that's never going to be my world and then it becomes your world and your paths cross and all of a sudden like you're you're hanging out with brian baker in a band and you're like i had you know when i was 15 i bought the minor threat records i that seemed that couldn't happen you know yeah 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 there's at no point when you're doing set forward you probably thought hey i think just projecting ahead now <laughs> no no but i mean that's a cool thing too like i mean not even that but just like people you meet in your career and people you meet just playing music that's you know obviously just they're also fans of music yeah i mean i'm 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 the kind of guy like i'm the nerdy kind of guy like like last night you're there's this room of, of, of celebrities and people and the guy that makes me excited is Pat Smear because he was in Germs. You know, like, not some... I mean, yeah, he was in Nirvana and he's in Foo Fighters, but I'm like, oh, it's the guy from the Germs. You know, like, I'm that person. I'm the nerdy person. I can be, like, at a festival and I'll see someone I'm like, that guy was in, in that super obscure 80s hardcore band and that makes me super stoked. You know? Yeah. I'm some that type of person. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny how we never really, even even though when we grow, that we're still those yeah. same kids yeah, yeah which i think is a beautiful thing really because that it's quite humbling isn't it yeah and i mean i i'm still such a fan of music and i'm still such a fan of you know the, the stuff that i grew up with and stuff that's happening today i'm such a fan and then you see i don't know like, like just fake names for example michael that plays guitar he was in soa faith embrace one last wish and in my mind, that's huge. But that then he's huge. like, he's like, oh, I haven't played a show in 16 years, you know. <laughs> and you know, he released like six records, and I've released 30 records and played thousands of shows. Mm. But I'm like, oh, that's you, you know. So it's like, uh, sometimes you 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 have a hard time seeing your own what you've accomplished and what you've done in life, and you you look at other people, oh, they're so cool, and oh, I've done some good stuff as well, you know. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe I do deserve to be in a band with Brian Baker at the end of the How day. How did this all come around? Um, I met I met Johnny Temple at Place Base Invasion. Played a show with Girls Against Boys in Copenhagen a couple of years ago. And we, he was super nice. Hmm. And then I love that band. Yeah, great. And then they were looking. They've been looking for a singer for a while. And then Johnny Temple saw refused to play at Riot Fest, and he texted the other guy. I said, "What about Dennis? Maybe we should ask him." So and it's been an ongoing thing up for yeah, for, for some time. A year then. and a half, I think. Two, yeah, two two years even. Yeah, yeah. And then Brian Baker just came up and he's like, "I got a new project. Do you want to sing in my new project?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> and then it's been. I mean, it's prior a, to hearing anything, exactly. Yeah, it it was fine. And then uh, it's been a slow moving process, just because the fact that I have two bands. Brian's got you know bad religion. He's doing diagnostic shows, and everybody has like lives and jobs and families so hmm. it's been a slow moving process but we we have a record that's done and we played our first show and you know it's how was it, that it was great yeah the record's great yeah i'm very excited it's just like um it, it is kind of what it's supposed to be you know yeah. the record so i i think it's super cool i'm very excited so we'll see what happens we're looking for someone to release it and then we'll play some more shows. I mean, we're not going to be a, a touring band, really, but we'll play some shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny one, because quite often, and I'm not not going to say the word that, that always kind of gets bandied around when people, like a well-established and respected musicians, put a, things together with yeah. each other, because yeah. it just always feels a bit... <laughs> I know. I know the term. <laughs> yeah. But it also sets it up for... for um, Disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, and does. then quite often those things have been, you know, and that there are there are people that that I think are incredible musicians that make just great art, and it it doesn't always figure that when you put those things together that 
that it's going to be like okay well a plus b equals c yeah but um but i think this stuff is great yeah really great i think it's like it's um first of all it is very dc hmm. and i think just i mean it's it's funny because it's such a it's a weird thing like when people listen to music one of the things they listen to is the vocals obviously like that that's the first thing people hear hmm. but this is such a much a, it's such a guitar player's band because yeah. it's it's michael and brian's thing and michael and brian were like the guys in dc where everyone's like those are the talented guitar players yeah but they never had a band together so it's like this style of playing complement each other really well and they're just like they just want to do that style of like mid 80s i mean you know embrace dynasty a yeah. bit of the damn that kind of style and i think one of the things that it clicked with me was that i was so aware of their history i was so aware of what they're they wanted to do and i'm i'm super like i'm like this is where we're going i'm all good with this you know so yeah i think that works out really well and it's just also it's pretty unpretentious you know it's not like we didn't put this together to get paid you know yeah. what i mean it's just like we just want to play music and and um write some songs and so yeah. so when it was um sort of suggested to you and you, yeah. you jumped at it straight away yeah as i think anyone would in in your situation yeah because yeah it's it's legendary um were the songs or was the music done yeah were you given like a whole uh, an album's worth of songs no it was like in uh they kept they sent me a couple of songs they did some vocal ideas i sent them back and like oh this sounds great come over and practice i went over practice for a couple of days and we worked on some songs and then i came over and practice once more we worked on some songs and then we recorded so wow. it's, yeah it was i mean they had a bunch of songs i think we there's more songs that we haven't really dug into yeah but yeah they had a bunch of songs they've been they've been fiddling around with songs for a long time so it it was yeah they sent me a couple ones and then like see what you got as a tester yeah Yeah, i think so i did some vocals at home were you nervous about that more so than you would be in any other situation a little bit i mean you want to deliver you want to be like yeah you know but uh it was fine i think the songs were fairly i mean they're fairly straight ahead songs there there's no like refused weird time signatures and like it was they were fairly straight ahead so it's just like i'm just gonna do what i would do for these songs and then they liked it and were you given like a a brief or anything in any sense no No. here's songs sing i'm like all right yeah and then i sang some songs and you know we recorded the record it's good do you know likely when it'll be out I, mean, I, I, I have no idea you don't have a label yet so. no we don't have a label i mean it's not like it's not a project we need to rush it you know it's just more like you know we'll see what happens there's yeah. a couple of labels interested of course so yeah i don't think it's going to be hard to to get it out but you know sometime this year i hope it's crazy you're saying about it, it being um you know coming from the kind of the dc sound yeah because I, I still can't get past that as, as a, you know, when I was a kid, that that whole thing with the Revolution <laughs> Summer and all, and all those bands that were coming out and Discord itself was just, yeah. it had such a profound impact on me. Yeah. Because up to that point, I think, you know, I'd listened to, to some punk rock and, and, but was probably more into metal and stuff, I think, because that kind of spoke to me a little more when I was a kid. Yeah. And then... Um, and then when I started to f- get into like circle jerks and bad brains and stuff, and then and then the whole f- found the whole DC thing, it was just life changing. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where where that whole where Discord. Um, I mean, when we were young, and you know, Minor Threat was not the first, but one of the first like hardcore records I bought, like the the seven inch comp LP. And I loved it, and mm. it just blew my mind. I mean, my first step forward was my first hardcore band. We did Minor Threat songs, of course. And yeah, I mean, I think like I was listening back to that this morning. Yeah, and like you can really hear Ian's influence. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and it's, it's it was, awesome. but but then also, I mean, even like when we started Refused, I mean, it didn't sound anything like any DC hardcore. 
but then me and my friend Jose started Desperate Fight Records, and it was modeled after Discord. Yeah. We're just like, we're going to release local bands. We're just going to do like a thing where it's like documenting the local scene. And then uh, a couple of years, I mean, now it's like 15 years ago, I started New Vogue, which is my label I have for the last couple of years. It was the same thing. I'm just modeled after Discord. I'm just going to do super fair deals for all the bands, uh, not really do a lot of advertising and just document the local scene. So it's been such a huge like part of um, my story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing when people put those together. And, and as you said, this is this is the whole remit of what we're going to be doing. It's like shining a light on and uh, on, on a set area and, yeah. and the bands within it and, and helping them. Yeah. But then th the profound impact that those things can have like worldwide is, is unreal isn't it it is pretty unreal but I mean it's also like um, they didn't start Discord to make money no of course but then not. they had Minor Threat and they had Fugazi mm. and if you have music that, that's great that, that just kind of transcends everything yeah and I mean that's the same thing I think when I started all these bands and I started all these labels and doing all stuff I never there was never an intention to make a buck. It was just like, I just want to document what was happening around me. I want to help out my friends. I want to play music. Yeah. And I'm still that guy. I mean, I'm here in LA doing like business meetings, but it's still about the music. It's still like, yeah. I'm here because there's new music, you know? Um, yeah. But it's interesting. I, I, there's a lot of people like, especially like the, the whole like super group thing that like, if we all get together, like the most prominent names will make millions of dollars that that could yeah. you know and and that's never been my mindset i'm just like oh i want to play in a band with brian baker i don't care if i do too <laughs> yeah you know I, I i don't care if we sell five records you know and do three shows i just wanted that experience to yeah, you want to make art life with people, you know yeah. yeah i just want to make art with people and i just want to be in that room where you know we create something and you play a song and you're like oh that that sounded great you know so i you know who were the who were the bands from that whole world that you said about Minor Threat and stuff? But what other bands really kind of influenced you as as like a young musician? I mean, so so my trajectory was like a lot of us. Like I, I was I was into heavy metal, got into like the whole like thrash kind of like yeah. you know Anthrax and Metallica. Like yeah. I, they were huge for me. Like Metallica and Anthrax, Slayer, of course. And I wanted to play in a band really bad. I was like, you know, 15. You're like, I want to play music. But a lot of those bands, they're, they're fucking the proficient player. Like, they know how to play. And I was just, yeah, I couldn't play. I couldn't play, you know. Yeah. And then I discovered uh, hardcore and punk. And I mean, the, the first stuff that I got into was more of the crossover, like DRI and yeah. Crumb Suckers and Same. Yeah. Agnostic Fund. Because it, like it, it was like a seamless bridge from metal to, to hardcore. Yeah. But then that led me to like seven seconds, minor threat, black flag. And I must say, uh, I mean, Dead Kennedys was huge for me. That was a band that was like, I remember me and my friend Tommy, we started our first punk band together in 1987. It was like punk metal. We didn't really know what we were doing, but mm. you know. And uh, we went into the city, which is Umia, which was like 30 kilometers where we live. And we, we bought, I bought two records. and. I bought Dead Kennedys, Give a Convenience, Give a Death, because someone told me that, that Dead Kennedys were the fastest band in the world. I guess, I mean, In God We Trust is a pretty fast record. Yeah. But, you know, and then I bought DRI Dealing With It, which is super fast. Yeah. But I also remember, like, um, so we went back to his place, and I put on Police Truck with the Dead Kennedys. And to this day, I remember the distinct feeling of, like, this is the best thing I ever heard. Nothing's ever going to be the same. Yeah. And, and it was just like overwhelming. There was something about like, just that sound and then that LP with a huge like uh, newspaper booklet that comes with it and all the, yeah. I'm, and I was just like, I was blown away. And that song still to this day gives me goosebumps when I put it on, I'm like, oh my God. And then DRI was super fast. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, you know? Uh, but yeah, that, that Dead Kennedys record really changed everything. I mean, I was still kind of like, you're looking like you there was like an exploited record in the mix and you know but that record was just like boom that sent me right into this where we are today you know yeah 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 i think everything about that band was was so incredible it was so distinctive everything they did yeah and jello is just 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean he was at that. He he was fantastic, and I mean the so lyrics smart and, and yeah. so like just weird as yeah. well, which I thought was amazing. I, I yeah. remember seeing footage and just being like, "This, what? What?" He's like acting out everything. Yeah. And as a kid, I was just like, "What is this?" Yeah. It was amazing. It was, and it, it still is. I mean, still looking at the old live footage from that, it's fantastic. I mean, even I saw. Guantanamo school or whatever they're called yeah and it was great still to this great they very good like it was it was great so but the thing is though like it's ironic because you wanted to start playing and yes minor threat and seven seconds of black flag I mean it's not easy but it's it's more it's within reach it's in within reach it's more like primal Dead Kennedys, those guys were players. Yeah. And I mean, even Minor Threat, they're fucking great players, but there's something about like the, uh, there's some, there's like a, a basic, basic nest to the music. It's uh, the, so they were like, oh, we can do this. And then, then, you know, we could. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> it's funny how I remember when, when I first started getting into Refused and when, when you're growing up in a little village in a, in a country away from the other country from the the artists that you're discovering like the places seem to have this almost sort of legendary mystique around them and, and umia seemed like that for me mm. <laughs> it's so weird and like we were discussing last night when we were heading to the show just kind of reminiscing about a few things and it, yeah. it it's funny to look back on that now like yeah like seeing your band for the first time was such a like it felt there was such a, a palpable energy in the room and everyone was so excited for, yeah <laughs> for two yeah. songs <laughs> for two songs yeah yeah it, it's um which as i said i think made it a perfect gig yeah legendary so people don't that don't know what we're talking about okay yeah we should clarify we uh refused we're on tour in the uk with ink and dagger it was a shit tour and then we played a show and it was it was in London. It was mm -hmm. packed. It yeah. wasn't a big room, but it was a full room of people. Yeah, at the Red Eye in just in Kings. But that's Cross. the thing with the story. It makes it even better when you say that the the venue's name is Red Eye after yeah. what happened. Because uh, Sean, that sang in Ink and Dagger, fell and he hit his head on the monitor. So he had to go to the hospital, get sewn up, and we're like, "Oh, that's so crazy!" And we start playing in the second song. I just headbutt Chris's guitar really hard and really I just hard. fucking blood's flowing out of my face like I never seen and uh, I also had to go to the hospital and get stitches and uh, that was it two songs and yeah. it was a packed room and we're like yes finally you know we're gonna play a great show in the UK and and uh, two songs and that was it but and, it was and a great the venue's show. called the red eye which I think is fantastic you know? yeah yeah but it was a great show it's one of those ones where there's a lot of people who ever since have been like oh yeah I was at that show you're like, I didn't, you? I didn't I see you there. I don't remember you being there. <laughs> but yeah, and like I said to you, it was it was funny because it was all, it was um, that scene was most of the people that were involved in it that that were going to shows were either writing zines, obviously, or, or playing in bands themselves. So mm. it was such a a community. Mm. Yeah, it was funny. So yeah, you did know pretty much everyone that was there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's a cool thing too. Like I just when you're a young person and you and you see i mean especially growing up like listening to metal it was such an unattainable thing like mm. like they were rock gods you know and then you're just going to shows and and then being like yeah that we're never going to reach that so you create your own fun you create your own space and i mean just when we start playing punk shows i mean even we'd like i mean we we start playing in 87 we start playing live and then we we did refused in 91 92 but even then it was like there was like one harker band one black death metal band and then like a punk band and then one band that did covers of guns and roses because those were the only bands in town that kind of were like yeah on alternative you know and but then you create your own community and i thought i always thought that was one of the things that stuck with me like you'll be in the crowd watching the band play and just going off and then when they're done, you switch places. Yeah. And I love that. And I love that about, about punk and hardcore, that the whole, like, we're all in this together. And uh, it, it's, it, it taught me a lot about, like, how to treat people and how to be 
towards the world and mm. i mean still to this day like every show we play i always check out the support bands you know it's just like just that's just what you do you know mm. and i always find it weird when when these big arena things like last night when people just like they show up to play and they leave there there's no interest then i mean even like even i have a lot of friends when we play festivals um with any of my bands in europe or, or in the states i make sure to check out the program I'll make sure I'll stay an extra day if there's some bands I want to see. Hmm. And then I have friends that they'll show up 20 minutes before they play and then they leave. And I'm like, oh, there's all these good bands. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to stay for an extra day and check out bands? So I'm still that guy. You know, I'm still a music nerd. Like, you yeah. know, I'll go to Riot Fest and we play Riot Fest. So it's, we'd refuse this a year and a half ago, two years ago where the Misfits played. Hmm. And uh, they asked us, like, when, when you're playing on... I think it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe. The festival was three days. And they were like, so you're playing on Friday. How long are you staying? I'm like, when's Misfits playing? Sunday. I'm like, I'm staying until Monday then. You know, that's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the person I am. And I said, I think that like just the punk rock community and that, that sense of like, we're doing this together. That taught me that just to appreciate. What, and also like just growing up where there was no bands that weren't our bands, you know? Yeah. Just growing up there makes me appreciate like seeing bands and, still to this day I'm like oh I love I mean I'm here in LA like every night I try to go see a band play because I can't you know I can't do that at home <laughs> yeah it's going back to the whole refuse thing about around that time was that you, you said that the, the tour sucked yeah it was it was a weird time wasn't it because I remember yeah. had the record actually come out by the time you did that show yeah yeah it okay it'd been out for a little bit yeah it was a weird I mean that was the one thing about it is that that for me and one of the reasons why I still love that record so much aside from the songwriting and and the production and everything about you know, it's, it's pretty perfect without going into it too much <laughs> it's pretty good yeah it's a good it's a good record you can definitely feel happy about that one but I think as well the the thing that I that I love so much about it was as as supportive and communal as that world could be it could also be um very insular and and close-minded about what you could do yeah like here's the blueprint yeah you either use this blueprint or this one or this one but you know these are the parameters yeah, yeah. and i love that record because it just it went so beyond that and yeah. and there was a the backlash right yeah it was fun it was interesting because now i mean we we sit here 20 years after the fact talking yeah. about this great record and the process of making the record was pretty horrible. We didn't get along. I mean, we didn't, I think, you know, just looking back now, we toured ourselves to death. So when we, when we started writing for this record, we were like, we're so fed up with each other. We're so fed up with, with what we were doing, basically. So the, the recording was kind of brutal, actually. And then we're like, okay, but now we have this record, so let's go out and play. And um, the hardcore scene didn't like it at the time. Like, like, when we were at our peak, it was like 96, when we were touring ship, uh, uh, Songs to Found the Flames of Discontent, that's when people like, these guys, you know? Yeah. And then when Shape came out, I remember we played the first show uh, in Uppsala in Sweden, it was like the, the, the tour premiere, it was like 40 people. And we had like some weird backing track, ADAT, that didn't work, and it was just, oh. you know one of those deals yeah, where you're like, yeah, here yeah. we are, and like, oh wait, what's going on? And and a lot of the hardcore kids were just like, and it was right at that time. So it's 98. So people are really getting into like the whole thrashy, fast, hardcore thing. And it's mm. like, I mean, that, that, that scene is very, I mean, people might not want to admit it, but it's pretty trendy, you know? So, so we come out and we're this super pretentious, like art punk. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. So that whole year was, we start touring maybe February, March, February that year. when we broke up in September. So we did a fair amount of touring, and it was pretty bad. Most of it was pretty bad. It was like, all right, you know, people don't really care. And we did that. We did that tour with Ink and Dagger, and it was not great. We did a, a package tour with no fun at all on the Hives, and we had a couple really great shows on that tour. And we did a we did a Scandinavia tour with Frodo's that was just kind of, ah, you know. Yeah. So it was a lot of like playing these songs, not really being able to perform at 
perform them as well as we wanted to and then people not showing up and a lot of the hardcore community was like yeah those guys super pretentious you know we don't like them anymore and we were i mean to to be fair we we did tickets above and beyond what we needed (laughs) (laughs) but you know so it's it's quite interesting and then and then we broke up in in total defeat we broke up and we're like all right the world did not like that it's just like you know, just go home and lick our wounds. And mm. I started noise conspiracy like two weeks after we fused broke up. Cause it's like, I just want to play music. And the other guys did the text project as a total, like, fuck you. And, and then like a year later, yeah, I bought like, that fuck you as I told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then a the year later, it was just a boom. It just, you know, people can stop talking about refused. And I was out touring with noise conspiracy. And I'm just like, what, what? And people like, you know, we do a show, and I was like, "That was a great show." And the people, like, that was great. I love Refused. I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. It was it was very frustrating for a long time. That was like, yeah, uh, I bet. yeah. <laughs> and the legacy of that record is, yeah, it's pretty untouchable. Yeah, it's like anything, isn't it? When you're making something within such a, a not, uh, I was going to say constricted, but like in the confines of, of something. Yeah, it's always tough for the people that have to kind of smash through and point the way for other people yeah i mean the history is full of studios and mc5s and you know bands that just broke the mold but no one really at that time of place people just like yeah you're weirdos we don't like you and then like five (laughs) years later i was like oh we love your band you know so history is full of those i mean same refuses one but yeah when we did we did something very different and it definitely set like a, a tone for a lot of bands and a lot of people and influenced a lot of people. But I mean, we're lucky. It's, it's crazy because when we broke up, it was no one cared, you know. And then we got to come back in 2012 and do like the victory lap and be like, oh, yeah, this is pretty insane. <laughs> like our, our whole, you know, tactic was do nothing for a very long time. And then <laughs> come back. You know, the so, long game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We played the long game. But, but it, it's it's. A lot of those, a lot of those really groundbreaking songwriters or artists never got that, you know. Yeah, the, the victory course. lap, you know. So I, we're quite lucky, you know, mm. that they get to. Do- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do that. But it was, I remember like when you were doing those shows when you first reformed and it was going to be... You know, we're just going to do some shows, and then yeah. I got you guys into Made of Ale, and yeah. I and I think I remember you saying at the time that was like the first time you'd all recorded together in in like fifteen years or yeah. something. Yeah, of course. And um, I mean, at that point, did you even think it was going to be something other than a like a victory lap? And I didn't. I didn't think so. I I I was I was quite. So at that point, I was quite content with, let's do this, and then I'll continue with my other project, continue work. But then um, Chris, David, and Magnus had a project that they were playing around with, and they had some song ideas. And I think that, I think one of those deals were, here's the thing, like when we did Refused in the 90s, I wasn't a great singer. I was a great front man, but not the greatest singer. I was, and I was very insecure about it. So I made up I'm, a lot of my my stage antics were just making up for the fact that I'm insecure about my singing. And Chris and David are such accomplished players; they're so fucking amazing. Yeah. And in the gap, I did like a thousand shows. You know, I I did records with Rick Rubin. I I put out all these albums, and I really worked hard. So when we got Refuse back together and started playing again. 
I was the guy that had the absolute most routine and I'm, you know, now I'm on par with everyone else. Yeah. So I think when we start playing and, and they had all these songs, so kind of weird instrumentals and then they were just like, I think Dennis could do this. You know, like, like now, like, you know, it's like, just like a, yeah. a realization that I think they had some songs and Chris just told Dave one day, like, maybe Dennis should sing on this one. And they were like, or maybe that should be just a refuse song. And then they started like talking amongst themselves. And I remember we had a band meeting like halfway into the reunion where they're like, we sat down and they're like, we talked about some stuff. And then they're like, we want to record a new refused record. And it came for me that came out in like total left field. Yeah. I, I didn't have, a, I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, I think we want to do a new refused record. And I'm like, that's, that's so wild. And then I said, um, I need to think about this, but play me some music. And they play me Electra. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe this could be something. Yeah. yeah. I have a great story about uh, we were <laughs> playing a festival. Maybe it was like Download or something like that in 2012. And uh, some guy from Ugly Kid Joe comes up to Chris and he's like, He's like, I love it. I love it. You're doing reunion. It's so great. And then he said something like, but you're doing it the right way. No new music, just fucking playing like the old songs. And I think that upset Chris so much that he, <laughs> that we recorded Freedom in, you know, just to spite that guy. I think that's what Thanks, happened. Thanks, ugly kid Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that's so he was so upset. He was so upset about that. He's like, I mean, I think the guy, he didn't intend to be like an <laughs> asshole or anything. He was just like, I think you do it the right way. This is really cool. And Chris was just like, all right, we have to make a new record just to Val. fucking shut that yeah. guy up, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so what's happening with it now? With the refused thing, uh, I mean, we have a new record that's almost done hmm. not quite i mean it's been one of those uh in typical refused fashion it's just been going on for a long time and yeah. no one's enjoyed the process of making the record and it it's been kind of grueling but uh we're almost at the finishing line which it feels it feels great it feels yeah. uh yeah it feels like it's going to be a really fantastic record yeah yeah do you feel like there's less pressure on this one as well yeah i think so or i know so i mean i i just putting that, I mean, after Shape of Punk and the legacy that record had and like the 16 years that people spent listening to that record, yeah, I think whatever we would have done, it would have been enough. And we kind of knew that going in. We knew that we had some great songs. We knew that this is like, this is fucking great music, but you're up against something that's, it's, it's not the same. You know, it's, it's hard to uh, even compare it, you know. Yeah. We could have we could have done a record that was like three times as good a shape, but for people it's just like, you know, we yeah. have all these memories of, of place and time and yeah, your when you life invest and, in something exactly. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of pressure. And I think we we took it very seriously as we always do. But it, it was like you could there's a certain tension, hmm. and then we start playing the new songs live, and quite quickly we discover like which songs work live and which songs just like. We're like, now we're going to play a new one. And you, you, yeah. And you look out in the crowd and it's just like blank stares. Just like, what is this going on now? And we're like, and there's a couple of songs we tried. We tried and then one day we said, yeah, no, we're not going to play that. That's just not going to work yeah. out. So we kind of took the songs that did work because there's a bunch of songs on Freedom that really works live. Like the excellent live songs. And I think that was like the starting point of, of writing new songs. Hmm. And also kind of coming to terms with what kind of band are we? We are not Led Zeppelin. Like, so not, don't try to pretend to be that. We are a super weird, quirky, hardcore punk type of band, you know? Yeah. And I think that was important for, for writing the songs for the new record, and I think it... But the it, thing is, as yeah. well, when you're making those... When you're making a record after such a large gap... Yeah. You, you're not the same people. No, of course and not. And all art is the product of the people that are making it. Yes. So... Yeah, I'm curious whether or not you you have to. Yeah, is it is it almost like you're having to um, 
sort of become that person again or 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 just approach it in in, in, in from a slightly different do you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah totally yeah I, I think like like because the thing is like and in all honesty like if all my current projects broke up i would really do a band that sounded like refuse because that's not yeah that's not really the music i listen to so it was like a lot of like trying to figure out i, I remember distinctly an email from magnus our bass, bass player he's like what kind of music do we play what bands do we sound like that was like a, an email from him yeah. and we're just like I don't know how to respond to this, you know. But then that's but when you first form a band, yeah, that's what you do almost. Exactly. So when you form a band, you're like, we just want to sound like Gorilla Biscuits, and then you, <laughs> it's easy, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then things change because of the players and your influence. And so I think yes, going back after all these years to write a record and be like, what kind of band are we? What kind of what are the influences that we're going to bring to this? And I think that this, the whole freedom process was just us figuring that out. And then now we're more comfortable. We're like, oh, this is the type of band we are. These are the influences that we bring to this band. Because it's always like, you know, you do a lot of stuff. And, and uh, I mean, I'm a creative person. I'm not a one-dimension person. So you do all these different yeah. things. But for Refuse, it's like a very specific, it's like a specific thing. I mean, Refuse yeah. is a free band in a lot of ways, but it's also a very specific um, expression. I do, mean you, that, do you find that restrictive? No, I think it's great. And I think it's like as long as you know, as long as you know what to do with it. I, I, think, yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think it's like there's a certain sense of like when I write lyrics, I mean, sometimes I just write stuff and I look at it and I'm like, that's invasion. Oh, that's refused. You know, yeah. you, you kind of know instinctively yeah. that that type of expression suits a different, you know, different projects yeah and i think that's that's i think it's a cool thing i think that doing the freedom record in the process made us be like oh that's this is refuse like this is what we're going to be these are the songs we should write and you know so it's it's been a it's been a it's been an interesting process which, which i think makes this new record more you know like i think this is a record that people wanted us to do last time but i think it's good that we did freedom last time because it kind of you know, yeah, it's not about what people want. No, no, no. But I, I, I think I, it's like uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like we're like, oh, this now we're going to do Shape of Punk to come part two because that's not it. But I yeah. think that we're making a record now that the people that love Shape be like, oh yeah, it, this makes a little bit more sense because it's like we had to like level the field playing field a little bit for ourselves because yeah. Refuse was an entity that did not belong to us for a very long time. I mean, I was the guy that, like, I was touring and I saw all these refused stuff and I'm just like, that's so crazy. That's just, it's not me. It doesn't yeah. belong to me. So I think Freedom was just reclaiming the band and reclaiming these ideas. Yeah. And now we're a bit more comfortable and we're a bit more relaxed and I think we know what type of band we are. And I think it's going to show on this new record. I think people are going to listen to me like, oh, all right, I get it, you know. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it's super exciting. Do you feel, um, uh, not resentment, but do you, do you feel, does it trouble you in a way that you, you became defined as that guy for a while? Because, you know, as you said, you, you, it's not like you sat around for 16 years no. on your hands. Like you've been super busy and you've made so many great records with diff so many different bands. Yeah. But... Um, but for a lot of people, you're always going to be that guy. Like I find it myself, you know. Yeah. A friend asked me um, today. He was like, "How was the show? Who'd you go with?" Yeah. And I, I said Dennis from Refuse. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but and and I kind of um, yeah, it's funny how these things define us, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's for a long time. I did feel resentment for a long time. It was like it was like an albatross. It was something that yeah. really troubled me. And um, you put out a record with some project, and it was like, oh, this is not Shape of Punk to Come. I'm like, oh man, you can't, you know. No, it's not. No, it's Correct. not. It's a different band. It's a different time. And for a long time, that kind of did trouble me. And it was it was one of those deals where I'm like, how do I shake this? But then as you grow older. There are certain things that are going to define me forever, my life forever. I mean, it's where I grew up, 
I got into punk and hardcore. I mean, that's going to define me until the day I die. Yeah. Any shape of punk to come. And just like, you got to just embrace that and be like, yeah, I mean, I am that guy. I am Dennis from Refused. I've done shitloads of things apart from that. But I am also that person. And I mean, it is a bit weird that our, our life's worth can be defined by a super specific period of time for a lot of for a lot of people that's the case i mean yeah, i mean you know i'm not saying you know but yep. i mean i'm the same i'm like i'll see someone and be like oh that guy was in that band mm-hmm. from 1981 you know like, like and yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. me excited and i'm sure since that six months when he spent recording that seven inch you know he's done a lot of other stuff but i mean that that's just kind of the way our culture works a little bit and we were talking we were talking about this yesterday that the how unfair it is that artists can't grow old yeah and and that's just a part of that but i mean you come to terms with that and then you're like but refused and and even just fucking new noise like one song Mm. that's kind of what why we're sitting here today and it's pretty crazy i mean maybe we would have been sitting here otherwise because you know but maybe not in this house maybe probably not in this house no but but you know what i mean and and it's kind of crazy and then just embrace that and be like, oh, that's just, you know, it's just going to define me. If, if Refuse breaks up tomorrow and if we meet up to do like a, a, in 20 years, we're still going to be talking about Refuse, you know, and that legacy. And that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, as long as we don't forget that there's other stuff going on, that's fine, you know. Yeah. And, and sometimes like just being that guy from Refuse, it opens a couple of doors and makes people a bit curious, like what is he up to now? And if you get some people checking out Invasion, that's cool. If you get some people checking out, you know, other pro- that's cool, you know. Mm. But yes, for a long time I hated. <laughs> for a long time I did not like Refused, you know, because it was such a burden. Mm. I remember. Uh, I'm not a nostalgic guy. I don't really go back and listen to stuff that I did. I'm so so interested in moving forward. Always interesting, like, what am I going to discover next? What's the new project? What's the next song I'm going to write? And then, uh, Epitaph did like a. Shape of Punk like a double vinyl reissue yeah like so this is it's gotta be like more than 10 years ago now and I got it and I listened to it for the first time in like 6-7 years and I just remember texting David I'm like I just listened to Shape it's a pretty good record and he hit me back he's like yeah I had the same like yeah. you know I had the same thing recently that I was like Oh, yeah, it's pretty fucking great, you know. And it stands up. It yeah, really it does. does. And 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 then on you every look... level, I think. Yeah. Like I said to you, that the production, especially, you know. Yeah. Like I love, uh, you know, we've spoken about bands that we loved as kids. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of seven inches that I just can't listen no, to anymore. No, they sound horrible. They like, sound horrible. And it's and it's so depressing. Yeah. A lot of nineties hardcore uh, didn't didn't really spend a lot of time with the production of the records yeah. there's so many bands that I was like when I when I was like a kid and I was really into hardcore and then oh, I love that band I love that band and you listen to the records and you're like oh that's oh it doesn't sound great but yeah. you know that's the that's the way it is I, but especially 90s were problematic it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great era for production in rock music yeah. it's just kind of what it was yeah, it's but true. We're, we're lucky like we, we both songs to fan and um Shapes sound good. They sound good yeah. sounds, you know. So yeah. yeah, just to go back over things and 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 try and recapture that that feeling I ha- had, and now I can't help but just sit and pick it apart and go, oh, why is it, why does it sound like this? Yeah. Why is the snare like that? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's uh, I always approach I always approach music from two different directions hmm. which is pretty awesome and also frustrating because I'm the guy that if I see a band play and they only play new songs the musician in me will be like yes yes do your thing do hmm. your songs the music nerd in me will be like I, please play a couple <laughs> yeah, of songs from yeah, the yeah, first yeah. record yeah. and I'm the same with listening back to stuff I'm like there's nothing I love more than the difficult third record. Mm. It's like my favorite thing in the world to like pick apart a record that's just like that everybody hated when it came out. I'm like, oh, I love this. Why did this happen, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, that's just the type of person I am. I, I, it's so intriguing as a musician to see like what went wrong. But then maybe if I pick my favorite, like, yeah, it's not going to be the third record. It's my favorite record. But 
I don't know. It's just how I look at music. I think it's very interesting. And you, you look at, listen to old stuff that you were into when you were a kid, and you're like, as a fan, I get it. As a musician, I'm like, I have no idea why I was into this band, you know? Yeah. 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 That's why I think it's really exciting when I hear, when I first heard Off, mm. because it was like, this sounds like a band that I would have loved and, and love now, obviously, but, yeah. and, but it sounds so great yeah as well you know yeah i know i know exactly what you mean a lot i mean i don't i don't pay a lot of attention to new you know like new punk and hardcore especially like the more the metal-esque sounds because mm. it's like but then when i hear a band that's like oh this kind of sounds like and then you can say like oh canadian subhumans <laughs> And you get excited yeah. and like that, yeah. you know. There's something about that. It's a bit of a maybe. That's a bit of a nostalgia thing. Yeah, um, maybe. maybe. Like the last thing like that, I think that I got really fucking pumped about was the, um was Gloss right before they split up. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I um, listened to that. That was like great. The, the demo and the and the seven inch. I was just like, fuck, this is so yeah. pissed. Yeah. It's awesome. You gotta love pissed music. That's yeah. just the best, you know. Yeah. But I, I did. I did have a little bit of revival. I, I went. I. I. We were playing a. We were playing some shows at Invasion a couple of weeks ago, and me and Sarah, who's been around for a long time, she was in the Donuts, yeah. as you know, and Noise Conspiracy. Yeah. And, you know, we, we sat. We were driving for like hours, and we just sat and listened to new hardcore, mm. like all those like. Uh, incendiary and uh knock loose and all those bands yeah there's a lot of good stuff yeah there is it made me very happy and very excited i'm like oh there's a lot of good stuff happening it is a bit weird for me that 90s hardcore is super retro yeah it, you know because you were there and you're like oh wow do you want to oh wow, that's crazy that you're listening that's your kind of influence yeah. but there's a lot of good stuff there and it made me quite excited that you know a lot of those bands like turnstile and i know like, oh, i was about to say yeah. turnstile it's yeah, so like, funny yeah it's like i love snapcase <laughs> yeah yeah you know some of it all it sounds it, so much it like sounds it. like inside out a little bit yeah mm, exciting but i mean it, it it is cool and it's like something to be said about the longevity of of, of hardcore punk music that mm. there's there'd be cycles and yes for a couple of years there's not much going on and then mm. you're like all of a sudden there's like this new scene happening and it it is pretty exciting yeah yeah I it mean, doesn't I, it doesn't feel like it's um just kind of hollow aping no from, no from no no a lot of those point. yeah a lot of those bands like, have taken influences but they, they're definitely creating something new with it and yeah. that's it's pretty great and i think you know me i just i always did kind of what i wanted to do with noise conspiracy we did ac4 with hardcore band for a mm. second and invasion is completely different so i always felt very peripheral in that scene mm. but i always go to the shows you know i yeah. in my hometown i if there's a punk show i'll go to the punk show like without fault like every time you know and i think like i don't have to prove myself and i don't have to be punk but i just still love that idea and that music that energy there's something about it that that's that's hard to be you know like no matter what you listen to when you come home there's something that's hard to beat at going like a really good yeah honest really good hardcore punk show and you're just like wow this energy is you know that's i remember that feeling when i got into it and i still like when i see a good band i'm like oh man this is this is you know like yeah there's something special about that yeah yeah it's funny so saying that it reminded me of um Recently, I went to see the. Um, do you know a band from Stockholm called Viagra Boys? Yes, of course. Good friends of mine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know you knew them. Yeah. So I went to see them, and um, it's just so awesome. Yeah, so it's great. pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I've been playing it a bunch on my show, and I had them play my stage at Reading and stuff, and I, I it's, it because there's so many points of it that make me you know make me think of bands that i grew up loving so much yeah, like yeah. there's there's like a bit of jesus there's a bit of morphine and you know there's all these little reference points in it and it's and it's done in such a way that it's so like we don't give a fuck yeah. it's awesome and um so i was there with um oscar who manages them who yeah, works yeah. at you yeah, know yeah. oscar i know oscar of course i know okay oscar. yeah yeah he used to play in nine and yeah. um, he he was telling me uh, I don't even know how we got to it. I think that was it. We we were outside the show, and we were just all talking. And a guy came up that was from uh, I think he was Danish, and he kind of looked at Oscar, 
and it turned out that they'd played together like played shows together like you yeah, know, yeah in hardcore bands back in the day yes and and then we started talking about that stuff and then obviously because him being from sweden you get mentioned yeah and then he told me about um about when he was at his first punk band or his first hardcore band they were like little kids they were like maybe 14 yeah and they booked refused to come and play in a living room uh, or like a rehearsal place yeah yeah and just and it's I can't even comprehend like that's two years older than my daughter yeah and I can't imagine her booking like yeah like this like a hardcore band to, to travel down and, and, and yeah. play the show outside of stockholm it's like a, yeah yeah i remember that yeah yeah he sent me he actually sent me i mentioned it to him um last night because i said i said oh i'm 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 gonna be doing a podcast with you today yeah, yeah what was the name of the of the the place and everything and he sent me a link i think it's on youtube oh which is kind of funny that's insane yeah. I mean, all those guys, Viago boys, they used to be in hardcore bands, all of them. Yeah, you yeah. can tell. There were Nine and Nita, then a bunch of hardcore bands. Yeah. The guy that's playing the keyboard, he's the guy that's mixing the Refuse record. Really? Yes. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So what it's a like, small world. It is a small world. But yeah. 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 Yeah, it's funny. I, and I think it's really exciting, like, that that, that label, you know, will, will be doing the Viagra Boys record and is doing the Young Lean record as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think Lean's amazing. I, I think... I don't, don't know. I mean, I know who he is, but I don't know much about that. Those last two records yeah. are fantastic. It's... It's um, it's really artful. Yeah. Really. It's sweet. I'll yeah. Check it out. Yeah. I mean, Oscar is working with him as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah funny. I got to know him just through... Um, I don't even know how I, how I found Viagra Boys. And um, I kind of, I think that was like, he was the reference point online. I was like, oh, I need to get these songs so I can play them on the show. Yeah. And then, um, and then he, he emailed back and it said something about, you know, like in his email signature and said about Young Lean as well. I was like, no way. And then um, he came over with Lean when, they, when he did the um, Meltdown Festival at MIA. All right. Oh, wow. And then we got talking about, and that was it, that, you know. Yeah. But as soon as like you see somebody from back... That even though you've never met before, yeah, but you know, you, have all you the share same, like the yeah, same reference her points. Heritage yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. He's it's a amazing. Great guy. He did the worst. Uh, he did the worst stage I ever seen at a show ever. <laughs> at, amazing. At, at a refused like reunion show. Really? Like, like he was on stage and we played a huge in Stockholm. It was like thousands of people, and he was like. You could tell, like you know, when your when your friend is like, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm time, going for it. Yeah. And he's running across the stage, awkwardly goes down because it was like a high stage. I kind of like awkwardly goes down on the little speakers, and then there's like a the ditch and the barricades, and he can't get up on the barricade. And you're just like, I'm singing and I'm watching this. I'm like, <laughs> what is he doing right now? And everyone was like, What's Oscar up to? And it was it was the worst attempt. I don't think. I mean, there was. Yeah, it was the worst attempt at a stage I ever seen. Amazing. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> when you were saying about um, when you're writing and you, you kind of things become apparent who you're writing for when you're writing lyrics, yeah, without having any intention of being, I'm going to write for this band now. Yeah. Do you find that? Um, uh, so I, I'm even though I, I love punk rock, I'm still something of a hippie. Yeah. So I find that um, making art, um, you have a muse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you yeah. agree? Yes, I do agree. And and that things uh, move through you and and make themselves apparent. And yes, it it sounds very hokey, and a lot of people I I know would probably. Um, think it sounds like nonsense but i i also find that something that when i do this podcast is i generally do it with people that i have a suspicion may have a similar similar idea yeah, yeah. Mm. but I, do, you, do you find that to be true so that to, yeah to a certain extent i mm. think that uh uh one of the things that me and david always talk about that i'm really good in the room which means that i'll hear music and i just start singing hmm and then there's sometimes that's it hmm. like i'll just a couple of words and then you just start singing yeah and it's mumbo jumbo nonsense but then you kind of like uh 
all right, what is this? And then you hone in and there's the song, you know? There's the, there, it makes itself yeah, known. Yeah, exactly. And uh, um, so I think there's that. And then, I mean, the other part of it is to actually sit down and finish lyrics, mm. which is work. So two different things. I mean, yeah. just as an example, when you're in that zone of just, just the music is flowing, it's easy. It's super easy. This, uh, this fall, we, we started working on a new Invasion record and I think we 28 demos over the fall all with vocals done because wow. it was just like it was just flowing it was like Andre our drummer sends me demos and I'll do stuff and it just like he sent me a demo and I just I just sat down and I like just start humming and I'm like oh here we go this is it and yeah. it's it, it it's a weird thing I mean a couple of songs you have to work harder you have to really kind of dig your heels in and be like what what is this you know but yeah. a lot of times it just flows through you yeah, I agree. and stuff you didn't even know, like melodies you didn't even know you had, and you're you're singing those. Like, oh, but then you know, at the end of the day, you have to sit down and be like, all right, let's tighten this up a bit, and like, let's actually write lyrics that make sense. So then, that's a bit of the working part. Yeah, but, but just that, that that's, just that, that's the interpretation, isn't I, it? Exactly. So it, yeah, it is. And I mean, when you're in a creatively good spot it's it's easy i mean mm. i mean it's also of course a matter of experience and doing this for a long time and having a lot of reference points and have a lot, a lot of ideas that makes it easy but but it, there's something i i'm always excited by the prospect i mean it goes for a lot of things but there's something about music where just like there's an idea in your mind there's nothing and then there's a song yeah and it's just it's pretty awesome because where does music come from? You know, like it's, there's something very, um, yeah. Mystical. Yeah, mystical. And it transcends what we, you know, like how, how we are as people. Yeah. And I, I do believe, I'm not, a, a, I'm not a religious man at all, of course, but I do believe that there's something very, I do believe that if there's a conceptualization of God, I think that, that the soul that we have is, is God. And I think that music is like direct, it's direct access to that. Yeah. And I think when, when you're in music. I think all art is. Yeah, fair. all art. But I think music is, music is probably most direct, mm. which is why I like it. I mean, I would love to write a book and, you know, I would love to do a movie, but there's something about music where it's so immediate, it's so direct. And I think yeah. that being in music, like um, when you play a show, there's just something about like, you're in it you're just trapped in music which which is amazing some nights i'll go on stage i'll look out in the crowd and be like i wonder if there's after show pizza tonight <laughs> you know like because you're not there and some nights yeah. you look at the set list you sing you look at the set list oh shit it's the last song and i think that's that's something that that only music can do yeah and just that it just transcends time and space and then all of a sudden you're like boom, you're, it's gone, you, you're done. Mm. And same time with the creative process. I mean, I have this little closet at home with all my keyboards and guitars and, and I start working and then my girlfriend pops in and she's like, you've been here for five hours, yeah. what are you up to? I'm like, oh shit, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing stuff. And, yeah. and then sometimes you sit there for 10 minutes and it's excruciating, like I can't come up with a single good idea and you have to, you know, walk out of it, you know? So yeah. it's, but there is something about music that it's funny how that magical happens. almost yeah, yeah it is very yeah, much so yeah. and you could say it's just like um, i don't know you could look at it from a jungian perspective and say it's it's all your own it's a subconscious coming through you yeah but um i think the thing is that i've found since since doing these is yeah. ev everybody seems to agree mm. And, it, and, and some people are very coy about it. Yeah. And then you have Jazz Coleman who will just, <laughs> who will just run head first yeah, yeah, into it. Of course. You know? and um, I, I, for me, it's been like, um, I grew up, I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things. I grew up feeling like a freak. Hmm. I grew up feeling that I was looking at the world from the outside. And I always felt that. Punk and hardcore and music made it so like I have at least some sort of semblance of... Uh, something that I have in common with other people. Like here's, all right, here's uh, my tribe, so to yeah. speak. And then as a person, we look at ourselves and you know, you know the idea of like, now it's January, so everyone's like, oh, we're doing sober January. We're doing like, I'm gonna get my shit together this year. You have an ideal version of yourself, 
you look at yourself and like this is my life and then you look at like oh this could be my life if i just fucking sit down and write that book or i'll I'll go to the gym you know 10 times a week you know there's all these ideas and um they're unattainable there's a reason why it's like their ideal version of you because it's unattainable but i feel and the best of days on stage i am the best version of myself yeah and there's something to be said it's it's a bit com- complex because i'm i am that guy that's like someone called me up like do you want to play a show tonight you there's no money i'm like i'll i'm there you know and a lot of my bandmates they were like they have to hold me back they're like wait wait we can't this is not possible and it becomes complex because the, the most comfortable I feel is second song into a show. That's like the mes- most comfortable I am with myself. Yeah. I mean, that's why I just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep doing more music, keep wanting to play live, keep being, wanting to be in the music. Because there is something there that I can't really attain when I'm just being myself outside of music. Have you tried to? In other ways. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I yeah. mean, but I, I think that's what people do when they do drugs or something like that, but I'm not yeah. interested in that. So I'm just like, I'm interested in music. And and for me, it's not a matter of... Um, there are other means as well, though. I'm sure there are. Mm. I do try to meditate and do yoga and stuff like that, but it's a different yeah. it's a different kick. I mean, especially knowing me, like the sort of physicality that I, I have when I play music. Mm. Um, but, but I don't know. It, it's just something that... I think a lot about, and I, th- I I think a lot about the existential sort of uh, aspects of music, of creativity, because I, I like to create, I like to always move, and it's not a matter of like, I can see if you're the Maroon 5 guy, and every show there's 15,000 people adoring you, that's very uh, addictive, mm-hmm. but I just want to play, I don't care if it's 5 people or 50,000, I just want to play. Mm. And I mean, having the contrast of a band like Invasion, where we at times struggle because people don't really know we're around, keeps me humble. Yeah, and I love it. And sometimes there's twenty people, and it's the best show of the tour, you know. So it's just, yeah, I just want to play. There's something about that music that makes it, um, you know, it, it's not about like fame or glory or getting paid. It's just about the music. for listening to someone who isn't me thank you to dennis for doing this and also snapes and mash for hooking it up new refused is going to be imminent i've heard some tracks and it's great as is the fake names album which is i mean as he said in the interview that they're, they're looking for for a record label to put it out at the moment but um but it's banging there's a few invasion records out there as well that are ace that you need to check out um online 2017's The Beautiful Stories has been getting repeated plays at mine recently. He's ace. Dennis can be found on Insta at Dennis Lixon, which is D-E-N-N-I-S-L-Y-X-Z-E-N. The podcast is at Swim Podcast on all the socials. Reviews and ratings on your preferred podcast platform are always much appreciated. And thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace. 